Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Punch, Kick, Choke, Chat. My name is Sean Benson. I'm one of your hosts, and it is my absolute pleasure to be here with someone I consider a friend and have competed against. 5-4 match. He took the gold. I took the silver. And I think I think that's really important because we talk so much about the trudging partners that the older masters on our show were with each other. And actually, that leads me with Sensei Luis David Munoz to our first question. You and I are similar ages. I think you're a little younger, but we're in the middle of this ladder. We've got the masters who've been on the show and you know, who we call older, and then you've got the people we're teaching, but we're right in the middle. And I want to ask you what you feel is the responsibility of a martial artist right at our age. We're not oh. the old guys, but we're not the young guys. So where do we fit and what's our responsibility? That's an excellent question, Sean. And thank you everyone for hosting me. It's, uh, it's been a mind blow this all, and I'm thrilled to be here. Um, so I think that number one, and uh, particularly coming from someone who has taught uh, physical education in the public system of education in Mexico, where being a skinny PE teacher is rare, right? And in a country where 60% of adults are obese or overweight, well, our first mission is to keep training to keep improving, to keep honing our skills to the best of our abilities. And I know it's hard because not all of us are full, fully dedicated uh, uh, instructors as myself. I'm lucky to, 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 to have been able to do that so far. But, uh, but that's what I would say it's the most important part. Children and everyone looking up to us are more enticed by example than by words you know and uh yeah yeah i remember i used to receive uh, uh tags on my facebook from students uh, uh, former students in the mid school where i used to teach at and they will tag me in memes saying when your teacher can do the things that he's asking you to <laughs> and that's great eh because uh I, I'm always looking back to them and it's like, hey guys, come on, I'm the old one here, <laughs> right? So, so teaching from a place of inspiring people to, to, to move forward. So I, I think that's our first and foremost responsibility. And of course, a bit of uh, researching and a bit of uh, looking into, as uh, Fumio Demura Sensei, rest his soul, um, used to say that the first five done are what you from the art take. And the next five is what you to the art live. So I, I am trying hard on that one uh, uh, these days since uh, Hanshi Montalvo uh, uh, bestowed the sixth done upon me. And uh, yeah, it's been a year and I'm working hard to, 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 to fill those shoes. Eh? I, I always feel like being young, as you say, or young-ish, right? Uh, I, I have a lot to work on. And, and uh, yeah, feel, feeling those shoes that Hanshi Montalvo has bestowed upon me is, is, is a lot. And I strive for that every day. So when you say, um, you know, that the, that was bestowed upon you and that's a beautiful honor and rank, and uh, you say it's been a year, there's a little weight to that. There's a little in relation to martial arts, what does that mean? What, what, what is the weight that that belt adds? Hmm. So it's, uh, it's responsibility, eh? 
and it's uh, it, it drives me back to I'm, I'm sure you're all familiar with Jocko Willink, right? Uh, uh, the um, former Navy SEAL and inspirational speaker and uh, general tough dude, right? <laughs> um, he uh, has this small video that I normally use and, and, and share with my students about Sisyphus and his, uh, 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 well, struggle to, to get the rock up on the mountain, right? And that he emphasizes that the mission for him is pushing it's not a rock it's not getting to the top and should it ever stop on the top he would push it himself down right so that bearing of responsibility is again pushing 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 and a, a more present mission of okay yeah you're there cool what got you there won't get you further keep working so, so yeah, I, I would say it's a, a bigger responsibility and a bigger mission for me to, to improve myself every day and my teaching methods to, to, to give the best I can to my students. I love that. I wrote down so many things there that I'll bring up a little later. Um, so, but I'm, before we go around the horn and talk to the other senseis about this question, um, let's go in the other direction. What at this age in this middle is your responsibility upwards to your masters and your teacher well first of all making sure that the core principles that he's taught me uh are still there in the practice in every day and um, i remember when a um, few years back in i think it was 2017 he came to test a few of my uh black belts some to the first dan, some to the second dan, um, and, and a lot of more uh, of the Q belts, right? Um, and he said that he was uh, looking at the, the, the staircase, you know, like a perfectly built staircase there. So, so making him proud of the work that I'm doing is the first thing, right? Uh, he, of course, showed me the, the wider perspective of karate, of what uh let's say open mind karate is right what an open mind but also traditional goju room means right it's respecting the basis and working with it and using that basis to potentiate the practice and also keeping in mind that violence in the street is another whole thing than what we do on the mats or what we could practice and that there's a lot of uh, malice. He, he, he normally uses that word, street wisdom. I could translate it, uh, um, maybe. But um, that's what I struggle the most with, because I tend to be to uh, um, maybe by the rule book kind of guy, right? But uh, he's forced me to see the other way. He's shown me like like well this is what happens and in that group of uh, running police uh, uh, people they are always sending like these police situations and this other kind of uh, uh, that's a knife uh, situation and this is a police officer dealing with that and and all that jazz right uh, and I learned so much of that so so I try to put myself in those shoes of of the people there and and, and try to think what I would do Right. And it's not always easy. eh? It's not yeah. always a, a quick answer, but trying to 
internalize that, those lessons that he in his, uh, well, 20 something years of service uh, uh, got and also uh, 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 promoting, promoting that in the instincts of my students, right? To, to, to have them develop that malice, which I lack, of course, mm -hmm. right? Uh, but I train and I try to look deeper at it and I am always uh, trying to look for uh, uh, street fights, right? And, and analyze what's going on and, and try to come with uh, uh, answers. And sometimes I show the video to the kids, uh, not the youngest, of course, but some of the more advanced ones. And we try to, okay, so what would you do in that situation? Let's try it, right? Why don't we put ourselves into those shoes? Let's try that, right? And that level of analysis and that level of um, reality in the practice that Hanshi uh, uh, put on me is, is, well, what I have to be struggling and grinding to, to replicate to my students. So that's, not. that's a lot of that. Thanks, Sensei. Um, so I'm going to go to Sensei Dolphin on this because, again, we're talking about, and for those of you who are watching and wondering why we jumped right into this, just before the show, Sensei Munoz was saying how honored he was and, and maybe a little surprised to be in the same seat that his teacher was. And, and in this second 100 guests we're having, we're definitely getting some younger and more varied people in. And I think it's a wonderful thing for our show, but I absolutely can relate to what you're saying. Sensei Dolphin, what do you think for, for us sort of middle-aged guys in the arts, our responsibility is and the challenges that come with it? Are you talking up or down? Because I just... Sensei Dolphin, whichever direction you want to go, up or down in general. So, so up for me... Um, <clears throat> You know, since you know, and since Lacey don't, unless I step up in front of a bus, um, what they've taught me is going to live on for as long as I live. Um, and to be honest with you, it is a big responsibility. It weighs on my mind a lot about further generations and who's going to carry this forward, this teaching. Um, you know, uh, since legacy brought it forward from Benny Allen and has passed it to me and, you know, since Suino with Yamaguchi Sensei and has passed, and I just really want to pass it on in a way that inspires people to want to pass it on again. And hopefully they, it inspires somebody to pass it on again because the world needs this. Mm -hmm. um, as far as the little kids go and like the down, I don't know, I was just talking about it, like, you know, you train adults different than you train kids and kids can do things innately physically that it takes adults uh, more concentration and focus to do. But uh, the thing on that I would say is you need to have that concentration and focus to actually be a martial artist. So um, I think as a teacher, when you're going back the other way, you have to be a teacher to everybody who comes in. Mm not just the ones that you want to teach or not just the ones that seem to be a reflection of you in the mirror when you look at them, right? You have to teach to everybody. Thanks, Pence, Sensei. Pence classical karate. That's what classical karate, that's why there's so much more benefit. What Randy just said, do classical karate than somebody who's jumping around. Let's um, let's keep going with you, Hanshi. What, what do you think, from your perspective, is the responsibility for guys our age? You know, what uh, what do you see as your role when you were our age, or the role that 
you could suggest to us we would best fill. Are you talking to me? Uh, yes, Anji. Okay. I am the same as you, except just further down the road. Like, that's what I'm saying about classical karate. You, you have a perfect example right here of what classical karate is. I think we all believe in that. You're not just getting the knowledge of one person. You're getting the knowledge from generations of practice. And if you break that line, or if you, you think you're bigger than any one person or all of the persons in that line, that ruins everything. The knowledge is scrambled and doesn't come out right. And through uh, years and years of generations, it gets altered in different ways. And then the true message isn't passed through because you don't have true students. Sensi Dauphin resonated that very well. Thanks, Hanchi. Um, Sensi Sweena, where do you go with this concept of responsibility and maybe, you know, what you might suggest to guys a little younger than you, although people looking at us would not believe that you're older than me, but in any case. <laughs> uh, you know, in a way, it's really simple. Uh, your job has got two parts. One is to train to be at the absolute best you can possibly be within the martial art you're studying. And the other one is to teach other people to be the best they can possibly be within the martial art they're studying. <laughs> now, that sounds pretty simple, but it does change over time a little bit. You know, my perspective is different. I'm gradually learning to be more of a mentor to people and to help build up the folks that follow me, trying to set them up for a future in the martial arts. Um, I no longer care about medals or rank or, or uh, I, I admit I am struggling to let go of the idea of whether I can defeat others in my martial art, but uh, eventually reality will take me there. Um, uh, but yeah, I think, I think the, the responsibility is first and foremost to the art itself. Mm. Once you do this and you commit your life to it, you have to keep the martial art alive. And we do that by training and teaching. Thanks, Sensei. Hey, Ben, just so everybody knows, he, he's still doing good uh, on the fighting side in Japan. I just watched him in the final round after like two hours, tie some blue belt belt, <laughs> tie, tie their belt while they were like, it, he was in their guard and then wipe his eyebrows and then choke the guy out. It was so, <laughs> I was like, I don't know, like 27 or something like that. <laughs> yeah. I think you got a ways to go, Sensei, so we know and that's, um, but ladies and gentlemen, we're not here to, to talk about that. We're here to talk about Sensei Luis David Munoz, and I just want to say what a pleasure um, it's going to be to dig into his life, and, you know, we talked to so many people from Canada, but for me, what I love about this show being born through Zoom is we have the opportunity to go to different places. Um, that's free for us because it's online. So it's really exciting whenever that happens. And I just want to acknowledge that. And before we get to where he is and, and how he got there, I just want to say that if you're watching on YouTube and you're watching either live or a little bit later, hit that subscribe, hit that like button. We're so happy you're here. If you're listening to the podcast while you're driving, or as I always like to say, bacon, get that banana bread in the oven and uh, let us know what you think of the podcast, share with your friends. But if you're here on Zoom tonight, 
You have the ability, we've already got a question that's come in. You have the ability in the chat button below to ask questions and be part of this living history. And so we're really excited you're here. We're so happy when you join us each week. And um, like I said, my name's Sean Benson. I'm one of our hosts. And I'm here with Sensei Randy Dofan, Sensei Nicholas Suino, and Hanshi Gary Legacy. And all I'm going to say is that this is our last live podcast there will be a show next thursday before we will all be in ottawa together training two days straight plus other events that start on the friday at capital conquest and uh, we'd love to see you there you know there's lots of you watching this show and you might get to see us we might not get to see you please come say hi and uh we can't wait to you know chat with people and, and get a whole new bevy of guests from the event so we're really excited about that and i'm going to throw it to sensei dolphin to introduce our guest Okay, so Renchi, this is hard for me to write because uh, I just know the guy so well. Like, you know, you call people brother, but this guy really is a brother. So um, I'm going to read the dry stuff here and then <laughs> I'll get the personal stuff. So uh, Renchi Luis David Munoz, he's a sixth end in Gojuru Karate Do under Hanchi Carlos Montalvo, who's a good friend to all of us on this show. Uh, a real big influence on me personally. Um, he also holds ranks in BJJ, um, as a number of us do as well. He began his training in 1991. And since then, he's attended numerous national and international seminars. He's a seeker of knowledge. Um, also tournaments, he likes to compete and he's a good competitor. Um, on the competitive front, you know, he's got an amateur kickboxing record of six and one. He's also had one professional full contact fight. <clears throat> that was in 2012. Uh, the WCMA 2013 champion in Kata and Kumite. Um, he also placed third in Kabuto. We don't want to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> one of his, yeah, I don't remember when I placed third, but anyway, <laughs> I can say that because he's my brother. That's why I can say that. Um, one of his most recent international tournaments was ours, uh, the Legacy Shoranui Tournament, the Matsumura Challenge in 2020. Um, and he won everything that he competed in. And he actually, he didn't put this out, but he fought in the young, young person's division as well. We let him fight down as well. And the only person who could beat him was Ryan Feist, and nobody could beat that guy. So um, it, it doesn't matter that you lost to him. Um, <laughs> Um, he's a junior instructor in Hanchi Montalvo's Ronin Police Defense Tactics Association. Uh, he's been doing that since 2012. Um, <clears throat> also, like we said, a seeker of information. Uh, he goes to a lot of international seminars. He's come to Canada. He's gone to the, the KNX, that's uh, Jesse Earncamp's uh, seminars, which he's expounded to me how much he's learned there. Uh, the, the Kashimoto D seminars. Um, and I, I believe those are in Sweden. Um, yes. And he's, he's passing that around as well. I've trained with him a little bit in that. Um, and he's also trained in Okinawa in uh, Asato Sensei's dojo in Naha. Um, I like to always talk about education. Renchi Munoz has a bachelor's degree in economics, and he has a master's degree in educational psychology, which is why we're probably going to be talking about training young people, right? Um, he speaks four different languages, not just, not one. I barely speak one. <laughs> uh, he speaks four. Personally, like my thoughts, I would say 
can you ever really know somebody unless you fought them? Right. Can you ever really know somebody unless you fought them? And uh, the first time that uh, Renchi and I fought each other was in Miami and Hunchy Montalvo's driveway with a bunch of puzzle mats um, scraped together. And it was a great, it was a great fight. That's where we forged our initial relationship. We went out to dinner after that. Um, and we've been fast friends since then. Uh, and then the last time I fought him was a year and a bit ago, right over my back here when he decided to fly in for my 50th birthday and help me raise some funds for cystic fibrosis. And he flew in here to fight me and brought gifts for my family and coffee. And the, the, uh, the tapestry that you gave us is still on our coffee table. It still sits there. And we think of you every time we're there. Um, you know, Hanchi legacy and I are Ronins. We're part of the Ronin red, red belt society. Um, so I'm proud to say that we're all Ronin here too, that I have that in common with him as well. And Hunchy Montalvo has been on this show. He's going to be here in November. Can't wait to see him. Uh, but also let's not forget that uh, Kyoshi Freeze and Kyoshi Rice are both Ronin as well. And so that's a big part of our community. And I'm really, this guy is my brother and he's my friend. He stayed in my home. He's competed in our tournaments. We've shared meals together on multiple countries, and I'm really excited to be talking to him today. I love this guy. So, um, yeah, it's going to be a fun night. Thanks, Sensei Dolphin. Uh, so, Sensei Munoz, I love starting with this question. Um, what was it like for you growing up before martial arts, and what brought you into your first club? Wow. Well, it's, uh, it's a long question, eh? Um, I can barely remember the first class I took because it was back when I was like five or six or something. My mom had just had a great judgment of kicking my dad's butt out the house and uh, going on her own with two hungry little monsters. And, um, and we had to have something right to do, but uh, we were growing up in uh, outside Mexico City back then in a small town. So we were like the only children. I was the only child there because my brother wasn't old enough to train. And I trained for a few months, but uh, then of course, uh, reality kicked in and uh, my mom had to either work or uh, take me to karate, right? So that was the end of it back then after just a few months. Then I returned when I was uh, old enough and it was safe enough in Mexico City to uh, to have a 12 or 11 year old go from uh, from his house to a bus stop and then to uh, two bus stops down the road and walk to the public uh, uh, service uh, karate uh, school. And uh, I trained for a year and some there, and I got to yellow belt. Uh, I did a tournament or two back then too. But again, reality kicked in again, and my mom couldn't afford it anymore. We were really big eaters, and I'm still one, so <laughs> I don't blame her. <laughs> I don't blame her. But, uh, but yeah, it was not until uh, I was able to work and pay for my own uh, uh, karate that I could return. Uh, but back then, that was already um, 
when I was 18. So it was uh, uh, some time after that, right? And uh, in that meantime, uh, mid school and all its weirdness and its craziness was there. And I was in a, well, it's a private school still to this day, it's still standing there. But they had the bad sense of accepting like everyone else that had been kicked out of uh, any other school, right? So me and four of my friends were the ones that were on the age that was supposed to be in the, uh, which for us is um, third, second and third of the mid school, which would be seventh, eighth and ninth grades uh, uh, for North America, I believe. And uh, yeah, we, one of my friends got his butt kicked in um, uh, uh, in the classroom once when there was no teacher, and I got also bullied a lot and called all the names that you can muster, and that ignited something. Of course, later in therapy, I've brought it out, of course, and it was a big hurt. And I think that everyone who has been bullied has this uh, uh, seething anger, like hidden there in the unconscious at some point. But uh, I've been fortunate enough to, to, to be able to go to therapy and to speak out about it and to uh, deal with it, right? Because it wasn't easy. We were the youngest, again, in a generation of, we were like 12, 13, 14, and the other kids were like 16, 17, 18. So, so it was an unfair fight, right? And, um, but that, brought what Robert Bly, uh, uh, the um, psychologist that uh, wrote the analysis for Iron John, uh, that old tale that uh, has a very deep meaning into it, about the golden, um, golden uh, injuries, right? Okay. Where that uh, junk prince that's in the tale uh, rescues the savage man, the, the Iron John, from from the dungeon of the castle of parents and getting the key out of the the mother's pillow and 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 sending out the giant and and going out with him into the wild and 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 touching the the pond that was forbidden and he got the golden wound first and then his head in another accident went in but he started learning down the road. Uh, that those wounds were gold for a reason. And that yeah. that's what I believe, what made me drop the economics to the side, even after having finished the degree and having finished the specialization and everything and seeing no future for myself in that, according to my personality. Now I understand that. But back then it was just uh, confusion and, and, and uh, wandering, right? But uh, but that's what I think has taken me to 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 strive for for advancing the most I can and to be the kind of sensei that I would have liked to have back then because back then I wasn't lucky enough to 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 be Hanshi Montalvo's uh, a student back then I was in what's referred to in Mexico as Okinawa te a style okay. right but it's uh quite simplistic and more business oriented, you know, so for one sec, you, you yeah. didn't get great first instruction, but even though you had a little bit here, a little bit there, there was something in you or something you'd learned that the second you could, especially after being bullied. Now you were like, I'm going back to this. So when you went back, what was it that kept you there that you found that 
that led you to doing this for your life? Yeah, well, back in those days, it was hard for me to tell. Now, again, after therapy and after, of course, personal growth and, and delving into this uh, uh, sitting and meditating, maybe. Um, I, I had this feeling of, you know, that, that, that seething anger that I referred to earlier, uh, 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 hidden within and, and karate helped me get it out somehow. And, uh, sadly, I, I, I didn't get the best karate there is because I, I got what was available. Right. And, um, it's useful, but my, when I became the instructor in that, uh, uh, same school, a couple of years down the line. Uh, and I started asking questions to the seniors like, hey, what about this? Hey, why don't we try that? Hey, why don't we go there? Uh, I was told to no, no, uh, uh, the, the, how was it? How could I translate that? Um, the business package is already set. Mm. You don't need to, to, to work on that no more. So that's where I began to, 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 to really question. So is this it, right? But down the road, I had my first uh, kickboxing tournament. So at some point when I was, um, what was it? Uh, third queue, a third queue. Uh, I was asked, hey, this uh, entry for uh, the tournament is uh, left over. Someone did not show up for the tournament. So would you like to participate in kickboxing? And out of the blues, I said, yeah. <laughs> so with little more than karate training for point fighting, I went into the kickboxing division <laughs> and got third that time. So won one, lost one, and, 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 uh, and won again, right? Three fights in that tournament. Um, amateur, of course. But, uh, but I started feeling uh, uh, good, you know, and, and, and starting to... to, to to confront myself with that, uh, with the eye of the tiger, as that uh, famous expression goes, right? Uh, so for the next year, I trained myself into that because my then instructor could only like teach us twice a week for an hour. So, so that was like, <clears throat> so I started like actually looking at Rocky's movies and trying to mimic the movements for the boxing. And, and, and doing some footwork. And of course there was no YouTube back then. So, so I have to get what I could, right? So you're, you're Mexican, man. Like you know how to box. Mexicans, <laughs> we all know that. <laughs> Might as well. Might as well be the case, eh? <laughs> so yeah, I got, I went back into it next year and I won the two fights that I got in that uh, later tournament. And I did another one, but, but there was this, uh, this, this seed of something planted there in, in the troubled years of the mid-school that was wanting to go more and more. And um, yeah, well, now looking backwards, is I wish I had a better instructor back then. And I wish I had physical preparation like now. And, and I could confidently say that I learned to kick properly by second then and not from my instructor, but from one of his friends. And that was already 2009, right? And uh, only then did I develop a decent enough Joko Keri. My students develop a decent enough Joko Keri around the blue belt, fifth queue, right? So, so I have that as a, my second wound, right? Like I had no good instructor. I couldn't do what I wish I could have uh, uh, in uh, fighting MMA or doing more fights or everything. I 
when I fought finally professionally in 2012, I, I back there, uh, uh, my grandfather, who was a very wise man, he worked for the oil company in Mexico, but he was an engineer and, and he was my grandfather, a wise man in, in general. And uh, he told me just before I departed for the fight, why do you do this? You have no hunger. You don't know what it is. And I was like, shit. <laughs> so I grabbed the motorbike and drove across the city to the venue thinking about that. Mm. Right? I still did my best in the fight. Eh? I, I held back no punches. I scored well. The fight was 28-29. Um, I dropped the guy twice, uh, but got the decision uh, against me, right? But I got not knocked down, nothing, right? But I kept wondering at that. And of course, MMA back then was bustling up, right? And GSP and Lyoto Machida were there and I was wishful, but old, right? And without proper instruction, uh, it, it's hard, it's hard. I mean, GSP had John Danaher and Fira Sahabi, <laughs> right? So, and he was maybe a little bit more gifted than I was, even if uh, uh, he had the same bullying, right? And I probably had the same kind of inner anger, right, that he had, but uh, he got luckier in his instruction, maybe. But at that point, I started uh, listening to Hanshi Montalvo already, and, and um, it was thanks to his uh, wise advice that I could... Um, depart my old organization and and start anew so and let me pause there because i don't want to get right into hanshi montalvo and the new organization yet but i do want to go around the horn on an idea that i think is really important that you brought up now not everyone here has necessarily been bullied in a way that i know i have or maybe you have but you talk about anger and the wound the power of the psychological wound so let's start with you sensei sueno what do you think the role is or the necessity is in a martial artist to have some version of a psychological wound or at the very least some anger? Uh, I doubt, I think it drives us, right? I don't know um, if you're, if, if people are born with it. I acquired it through uh, 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 being raised in a really challenging neighborhood and learning to, you know, to fight my way home from school. And it made me angry and it made me want to uh, act out physically. And I think it, you know, who knows where the drive comes from, but, mm -hmm. um, uh, I, I've always had that drive in the martial arts and I know how to harness that anger, right? I still, I still know how to, I still know how to find it and use it in training. So how do you harness it so that it doesn't become something that, you know, puts us in the wrong direction? Sensei Sweeno. Well, uh, it's like drunk driving. When you first start, you end up in the ditch. <laughs> um uh yeah maybe you overdo it a little bit um uh but i like the idea that if you're in a if you're in a um if you're in a jungle with with adult lions they're going to keep you in line and that's what the dojo is so wonderful for right mm -hmm. if you're in a dojo with uh with good senseis even if you act out they're going to stop you before you do something stupid or maybe you do something stupid a couple of times and then they learn and you learn and little by little, you learn to sublimate it, right? You turn that anger into, into drive. Um, but I'm sure I made, I sh I'm sure I made mistakes. I'm sure I over, overreacted when I was young. 
Thanks, Sensei. Let's go to you, Sensei Dolphin. You know, psychological wounds, or at the very least, anger, how important are they, and how do you keep them from veering off the rails? Well, I think it's like Sensei said, the drunk driving thing, right? Like, it's trial and error. Um, I wasn't bullied too much outside of my family unit by anybody, but I definitely, my father was a bully, and I was raised around a lot of bikers who were tough people, and they just didn't take any shit, and they would extremely push you back into line. And I didn't like that. So um, I was insecure outside, but I wanted the world to see me as something different. And that's the thing that drove me uh, into a dojo, right? Because I, I felt like a liar. I felt like I was pretending to be tough, but I wasn't actually tough. And I wanted to be tough. I didn't want those people that were close to me to be able to push me around. And honestly, like, eventually, like, through training and fortitude, like the tables turned, like, you know, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I remember punching one of my mom's younger brothers after he got out of prison, right in the middle of the body. This is a guy who had bullied me and hit me and smacked me around. And I punched him right in the middle of the body. And it was a pivotal moment in my life because he never touched me again after that. Not one time did he ever even attempt to touch me. And that was something that like, okay, this works, keep doing it. Right. Um, but you know, today I don't worry about being bullied. Like that's not, mm -hmm. but I worry about other people being bullied and I don't want them to be bullied. And I want to, you know, when parents say to me now about, um, Hey, my kid's being bullied. Can you talk to them? I'm like, are you sure you want me to talk to them? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure I'm the right one that you want. Cause I'm going to tell them to knock that motherfucker out. Like that's what I'm going to love to do. Right. So anyway, I'll stop. Right on. Uh, before we go to haunt your legacy, I just want to say, you know, I did get bullied a lot and I never felt physically unsafe. So I didn't quite have that feeling of fear, but I wish I had the option of hitting back. I just didn't know. I didn't know where to even begin. I literally, I watched the Rockies and the Van Dams, but I would have had no clue just even where to begin at that age. Um, I do want to say though, you know, for me, what I needed from martial arts, and there is a lot of anger around this that I did have to work through in therapy, it was never physical, but my mom was a bully in the house, and my dad didn't stand up to her. Y'all know how much I love my dad. I talk to him about it all the time, but there was a way he wouldn't stand up to her, and when I met, you know, you said lions, tough men, men who would stop a situation, not allow it, I realized later on, I didn't realize it when I was 18, that I needed a role model for in, in my case, men, but we'll call it people who would say stop and be able to do something about it. And so uh, it's interesting because while I was bullied on the surface at school, it never affected me as much as maybe watching my dad not say no to things I wish he said no to. Uh, Hanchi Legacy, um, let's ask you, um, what role does anger or some version of a psychological wound play and how do you keep it from going too far? Well, you know, something that if you get bullied, there are two real main roads. Uh, you either cower and you become inside of a shell mm. or you use that to motivate you. And uh, you quickly learn that it's easy to face it right there as opposed to being put in the other position, which lasts for the rest of your life. Where, you know, because bullies don't like you to fight back. If you're bullied, if you're bullied in a schoolyard, 
you can tell your children this, face them right there. Take a couple of pushes to the ground or whatever it is, because that bully won't come back. He wants it to just be all his way. You know what I mean? So sometimes you have to stand up and put up with a, a little bit of roughness, but once they see that you're gonna stand up for yourself, they won't come back. Because, you know, I'm not gonna say it happened to me because I, uh, in my youth, I was a bit aggressive myself. So uh, I just found that out from talking to people who have been bullied. Thanks, Anchi. Um, you, know, you become a victim or you become, uh, you stand up for yourself. Um, before we jump over to you finding a new instructor, Sensei Munoz, you are already teaching at this point. You're already running a school. You're competing. And we have a question that came in from Robert Schlumsky that I think is really relevant before we move to your new teacher, which is, how did you decide to become a martial arts teacher full-time? And what do you say to other people thinking of doing the same? Wow, that's a great question, Robert. Thank you. Hmm. Well, for me, it kind of happened. You know, there's, I'm sure everyone here is familiar with that sensation of, of, things just clicking into place like a puzzle when you find the the piece on the sky that's hard to tell which is which and where goes what but you find that one that just clicks into position i was already teaching uh, uh because i i had some spare time and my instructor back then in 2004 so i was like a year and something into my training uh, he uh, uh, acknowledged that i had some training back then and i had lots of of, of eagerness to to train hard so i was uh, uh tested to to see in which rank would i would i fall into so i tested for uh, um to start for fifth queue and i was accepted as a fifth queue back then but um uh when i was already uh next year or a year something uh, after that august 2004 i already went there and started teaching the young ones back then even back then right i was uh maybe 19 years old so so yeah and and that started one month or the month that at the end of that month in august i uh started my my second attempt at university which was what i graduated from economics right i had tried the year before to go uh, through uh, industrial engineering, which <laughs> didn't work out too well, but uh, but that's all I'm saying <laughs> about that. And um, I got into economics uh, uh, after dropping of uh, the open system in uh, international relations in the same school. So I got a, a scholarized system, so Monday to Friday, not just Friday and Saturdays, uh, and and went through that by the end of that same month in August. So you could say I started dedicating myself to karate before I started dedicating myself to university, right? But um, down the road, I kept finding, especially in the later semester, where um, my friends uh, would come over to my place because it was the closest to the school. And we would like uh, burn our eyelids and our uh, fingers at the computers going through work in seventh or eighth semester. And I would say, hey, you know what? I have to go to teach. I'll, I'll come back. 
and I would let them leave them here and go and be back refreshed. So I would put another two hours in and I would, hey, you know what? I'm going out, I have my class, I'll return. And I went out and brought some snacks back and kept going. So by three o'clock in the morning, when we were still going hard and they were like starting to, you know, those off, I was still going hard. So that gave me mental clarity through it all. So I finished the, 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 the grade because I had karate as a escape valve, right? But when it came to facing the, the, the work market and the possibilities of an exchange, because by then I had been studying German for a while, so I started applying to this and that, but uh, bureaucracy kicked in and some things emerged. No, you cannot do this because of that, and this uh, isn't approved. So, so I lost one opportunity there, but I started opening up other avenues. For example, in 2010, right after graduation, I started, uh, I got asked to teach in a kindergarten and I was like, oh, kindergarten. Okay. And yeah. this was a kindergarten teacher of martial arts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Karate, karate, yeah. karate for kindergartens. And I was like, yeah, why not? <laughs> right. So I started going there and I started the children and learning from them and it's precisely one of that first generation that's covering up for me in the dojo right now he's teaching that class from that generation he started in 2010 right so so I, I i started discovering that and i started to question myself because i as every young man facing uh, uh well the rest of his life at 18 or 19 and and, and trying to find a grade a degree that's um, maybe to their liking, right? Well, I was pissed off at economics by fifth semester, right? So, so I finished because I had karate as an escape up. But, uh, but down there, and I'm looking at some of the experiences of some of my friends, that one of them, for example, in a diploma I did afterwards of uh, economical, uh, environmental, and um, economical policy and whatnot, in um down south in the city in the um alma mater uh, the, the unam the national autonomous university right one of the research centers um so i was trying to specialize on that already um and one of the friends that i made there told me that hey i'm working with uh, uh um well the equivalent of the irs right and uh, i'm trying to to do these things and this that and and they uh, they told us, hey, switch that, please. We were in charge of budgeting and, and, and uh, checking, making sure that everything was straight, right? As economists, all of them. And, um, and they were told like, hey, no, uh, switch that. I need that switched. But hey, we, we've done this and it's already done and it's what the people need there. No, no, I need to switch because they have elections next year. And people started asking questions like, why? Why? If the prerogative was this why why switch it now well they need it period so the next day that guy that asked the question didn't show up my friend told me and some from the higher ops uh someone from the higher ops went there and told them hey this guy's gone because he was asking questions you want to go too so that's the perspective. Yes, in I do. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. So, and by some other teachers, I had a teacher that was working with the water uh, uh, um, department, say, in the federal government. And he told me like, no, man, uh, uh, I asked him, hey, can I do my practices with you? Maybe uh, uh, I work hard, whatnot. 
I, I got 10 in his class, so, so maybe I had a chance, right? He told me like, those things are like pinpointed to someone. Mm -hmm. I, I, I cannot help you in that regard. So all those things that you see published are directed to the son of this or the niece of that or the grandkid of... So I became disappointed too soon uh, that wasn't there. And as an economist in Mexico, it's hard to work on something else that's not the government. Mm -hmm. Right. So environmental economist in Mexico, ha ha ha, the joke tells itself. Right. <laughs> so, so yeah. So yeah, I, I, I had to give that up for my mental sanity because I, I, had I been in that guy, in that, in that guy's shoes asking the questions, I might have turned into something more aggressive. Right. Because am I not here for the good of the Mexican people then? Right? What am I doing here? Who am I benefiting with this? Right? So, so I wouldn't stand by that. And uh, my grandfather, again, who worked in the oil company, the state's oil company, he always proud himself into saying that he could have been richer, but he didn't want in into that kind of thing, sure. right? The corruption. So he taught me that deeply. And, and to this day, I, I, I hold to that, you know? And I don't think I could have done that without, I don't know, hanging myself at some point, right. just out of disappointment, you know? And um, yeah, I, I didn't feel like I could do that for a living, just like that. And uh, then I started dedicating myself to education. I started teaching in 2014. Uh, well, I did one kinder in 2010 and started from there and then started another in the other couple of days. And, and I'm still there working for those children and those families, right? And, um, and then I got into uh, high school teaching and then mid-school and then university. And I noticed that if I was to change something about how we regard the environment and how we treat uh, 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 the natural reserves and everything, well, I would have to start with education. So that's what drove me eventually to the degree in, uh, to the master's degree in, in um, uh, educational psychology, right? Which only confirmed many of the things that I had already observed and carefully uh, uh, switched in my own behavior as a teacher in, in karate. But I could now also apply that to, to high school and university and mid school and everything, right? And so, so let's say that I just clicked into teaching and just started making more sense more and more for me. And right now I'm, I'm well, I've traveled a bit around. I've gotten a few bikes out of uh, working hard and going around. Uh, so, so yeah, it's, it's working, it's making sense. And the advice that I would give to everyone is uh, study, study hard, study psychology, study pedagogy, study kinesiology, right? And train hard and study hard at the same time and um, do it with your heart. Do it with your heart. I have loved every single child that has come to my dojo, even if they put me to serious questioning of how do I make this little one comply, right? <laughs> and, uh, and, 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 and all of them have taught me stuff for me to be a better teacher, right? So, so yeah, if I didn't love that, I wouldn't push myself to, to, to excel in it which is also another of the things that's 
lacking in Mexico and Latin America, that teachers are not professionals, sadly. Well, we're going to go around the horn on that. Thanks for that. That's really an amazing answer to Robert's question. We really appreciate the depth of that. Um, Sensei Suino, let's go to you on that. You know, what, um, what made you decide to be a teacher and what advice would you give to people thinking about doing the same? Well, that's the same question that Renchi asked. Are you at, talking about uh, martial arts or other teaching? I'll, I'll, I, I think both, but martial arts is what we're here to talk about most. But Yeah, fair enough. Um, well, I got into academic teaching first because it was a, an easy route, right? Being in grad school and uh, giving the, you know, getting the option to student teach and, and then to graduate student teach. And of course, my dad was a uni university professor. So I sort of thought that was going to be my path. Um, but eventually I grew tired of the, um, the requirements of academia. And um, I don't like the politics in academia. So um, I grew tired of teaching there. But in martial arts, it was just natural. And I'm sure it's natural in a lot of schools. You get to a certain place and you start assisting. And then you get to another place and they, you know, you start teaching classes. And you get to another place and you get put in charge of a class. Uh, and if you stick around long enough, they put you in charge of a program. It's just mm. natural development. Now, of course, not everybody that studies martial arts and gets good at it is going to be a good teacher. Um, but you you don't really know how good someone's going to be until you give them a shot at it. So in most of the dojos I grew up in, uh, uh, it was expected that you'd, you'd start helping. And eventually that grows into a, into, into a teaching position. And what would you say to people thinking of doing the same? Uh, well, first of all, I would say train hard, focus on your martial arts, try to get good at it. Um, uh, and, and then, uh, let your, let your seniors decide whether you're a good teacher or not. Thanks. And say, Hanshi Legacy, let's go to you next. What made uh, you decide to, to teach as much as you do? And what would you say to people thinking of doing the same? This is sweet. I just took the words out of my mouth. Uh, finally, finally. <laughs> Episode one fifty two. We got there. Uh, well, the thing is, you go in to do martial arts, right? And if your sensei sees that you're getting it, and then that you have a certain amount of knowledge that you can build on, and you do build on it, he will direct you by start you starting you teaching younger people, starting to get you in that route rather early in your martial arts career, but go in with the idea of learning first. Everything, are, everything else are steps. Your sensei is a good sensei. He will lead you into being a teacher if you have that talent. That's, it's that simple. You know, you stick your hand in the meat grinder, it's going to turn out to be hamburger. And that's exactly what martial arts is. You start off by learning martial arts and the process takes care of itself. Thanks, Hanchi. Sensei Dofan, what do you think? When did you decide to become a, a teacher and teach as much as you do? And what would you say to others thinking of doing the same? Uh, well, listen, I started... I wanted to be a teacher mostly because I wanted to be Sensei Legacy. And he was teaching karate. So then in order for me to be that, I had to do that. I had to figure out how, how to teach karate. Um, so 
I say that all the time, Sean, you laugh at me, but like my motivations for teaching karate were very selfish, right? It was very much about me, but a decade later, you know, you mature. And what I would tell people who are going to want to be a martial arts teacher is remember when you stand in front of a room of 30 people, they all came for themselves and you're the only one who didn't come for yourself. You came for everybody else and be prepared for that. Because mm. if you walk in the room and you only came for yourself, you're going to be the shittiest martial arts teacher that the world has ever seen. Cause you have to come in and we already talked about it. We're earlier, right? You need to be able to teach like a six year old kid. Who's like on the spectrum or a 75 year old lady who has been abused and wants, or a hyper fit athlete who wants to be the next GSP. You have to be the person for all of those people, right? But all those people just come in as they are, right? So if you're going to teach, you've got to be willing to accept all of that. Unless you, I guess you want to be a niche teacher. I only want to teach hyper fit athletes. Well, good for you. Um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> That's probably because you just are a hyperfit athlete, right? So <laughs> that's where I take it. Thanks, Sensei. Um, Sensei Munoz, it is time for your 10 questions. We ask that you answer as impulsively as you can and then expand if you need to. Um, what is the most effective move in your martial arts arsenal? Mm, the one uh, for point fighting i would say it's my left hand my left hand oisuki um and uh, maybe in a grappling situation i think i'm uh, um most of my submissions come from uh, uh side control and on the kimuras or the americanas yeah um who is the most influential martial artist in your life Oh, Hanshi Montalvo, undoubtedly, <laughs> undoubtedly. Yeah, he saved me from the swamp that I was in and he showed me the light. He was basically uh, uh, the light uh, uh, outside Plato's cave, you know. Uh, he showed me that, that there was a whole world back there, not the shadows that I was being shown. So, so yeah, definitely Hanshi Montalvo. Love that. And while I don't think we need to get into it here, everybody go look up Plato's Cave because I think that's a beautiful way to talk about it. Um, who do you think is the most influential martial artist of all time and why? Oh, my. Well, I would toss a coin, which on one side would have uh, Miyamoto Musashi and then on the other side, it would have Bruce Lee. And not the Bruce Lee from the movies, the Bruce Lee from the Tower of Jet Kundo. Mm. I had it on the shelf and i think my brother bought it when we were both doing karate at i was 11 and he was 10 or something and uh he bought it then but he never looked back at it and i along the years saw it and opened it and couldn't understand squat so i would put it back and return a few years later <laughs> and it wasn't until like what yeah maybe around my fight maybe around my fight that i started making sense of the drawings but then only after that did I start to make good sense of the philosophy behind it and the, and the words and that man, Jesus, he, 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 he came ahead of, of many things that kinesiology, 
uh, uh, nowadays is finally proving, for example, that movement requires training in the nervous system and not the muscles, right? For example, a technique, you could call it. Um, and, and, and many things. I, I still have a, a custom to, to open it digitally these days, right? Uh, and to send it out to whoever injures themselves so that they can't come. And I thought, hey, Bruce Lee wrote this when he was injured, so you might find something interesting in it, right? And I still uh, uh, find mind-blowing stuff there, and I don't think I've gone through half the book yet. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And of course, the same with the book of Five Rings, but of course, in the, in the realm of the strategy and the philosophy and the depth of uh, Musashi, right? But yeah, those two. I would toss a coin, and if I have to keep one, I would keep either of them. What excites you most about the next five years of your training? Ooh, well, digging down deeper into Bunkai first. Uh, first, of course, in the Gojuru lineage that I am still researching through and, and, and seeing many perspectives. I check every now and then on YouTube, see if a new school has uploaded some other video, right? And, and, and then compare and, and, and check some books. And I have a great student uh, in, um, in England who I teach through Zoom. I met him in 2019 uh, and in, in Stockholm, in KNX19. He's a lawyer, he's 50 something, but he can't use his legs. He was born with the full use of his legs. So I'm uh, puzzling myself to teach him the best I can Sean, his name is, and uh, he's coming to grade this uh, December. So yeah, I'm learning with him and he has this full library and he's bringing two extra books and we're discussing Bunkai and I'm trying to go through him. So what from this kata can you use in your situation, right? And uh, it's grand, it's grand. And, and uh, that, and of course the Kishimoto D side on, on that deeper and more raw bunkai i would say because that lineage is deeper so so i'm excited to learn and to master the four kata in kishimoto di as well as the 12 kata in gojuru in the bunkai not just the execution the execution i think i have them more or less decent right but uh the bunkai is is what i want to to dedicate the next five years amazing mm -hmm. if heaven exists what would you like to hear god say when you get there <laughs> oh, so you made it here. <laughs> yeah, no, I think, uh, I think uh, I, I, I grab at that from what David Goggins says, right? That you could have been all this, right? He, he has that example when he arrives and he's prayed for cockroaches all his life and then arrives with God and, and God tells him, huh? Yeah, Navy SEAL and... Uh, a uh, uh, hundred mile runner and this, uh, hey, I not that, right? Well, that's who you're supposed to be. So I like to think that I'm doing my best every day to teach to the best of my abilities and to train to push my abilities and, and to hang in there as much as I can. So, so, so that God may finally say, hey, you're finally here, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? Um, do you have a favorite film and television martial artist, whether they're actually martial artists or not? They might just be in film. Hmm. I think few things encompass the deeper spirit 
of martial in the word martial artist than gladiator, the movie Gladiator. Even if it is with swords and uh, in battlefields, I think Maximus is the quintessential definition of a warrior, right? Mm -hmm. That uh, waged war for duty and then waged war to find himself and then finally waged war for justice. So I think we all warriors must go through those. Do you have a martial artist living or dead in all of history that you would want to train with the most? Yeah, well, I would flip that coin again, right? I, I, I cannot do half a thing properly with a sword. And uh, I would like to live closer to Sensei Suino because of that. But, <laughs> but, um, but Musashi or Bruce Lee would be quite interesting, eh? even if I don't complain about the few of uh, the ones that I've been able to train with. Uh, uh, I mean, Sensei Jesse and uh, Sensei Avernathy and uh, Sensei Ulf Carlson, of course, and um, the people in Okinawa, the Uechi family, uh, uh, Kenji, Kanji, Kenji, oh my God, Uechi, the grand, great grandson of, of, of the founder of the Uechi lineage. and. Yeah, I, I mean, I've gathered great things from each and every one of them. And uh, yeah, living or death, yeah, well, flip the coin and everyone else that I've trained with is still up there. And, and I'm sure I would have still lots to learn of all of them. Yeah. If everyone in the world could have the greatest benefit you've gotten from martial arts, whether they train or not, what benefit would they be getting? The ability to aim um, in any situation, or almost any. I mean, I haven't been to war, right? But we might be there going soon. <laughs> I don't know. But, uh, but yeah, that calmness that with time and with a lot of practice uh, uh, emerges from submitting yourself to the torment of training and to the torment of pushing weights and to the torment of presenting your kata in whichever, in whichever uh, tournament. It doesn't matter if it is uh, uh, out of your country or in the neighborhood's tournament. It, it's, it's a grind. It's always a grind. And that ability of looking at things evolve and, 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 and come out and happen and you being able to be a, an observer and not allow yourself to be well, shattered in your temper by those motions, right? That, that I would say is the highest form of uh, ability that comes from martial arts. Love that. Um, our last two questions come as a pair. What is your greatest achievement and what is your greatest regret? Ooh. So I would say my greatest achievement is being able to teach my students the way I would have liked to have been taught, mm. right? And to see them at 15 or 16 squatting 100 kilos, right? And performing a, 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 a superb versions of the kata that I struggled to learn and struggled to present, right? Uh, I, I was born very clumsy and, and very uh, uh, 
out of um, my, my aunt used to say, and she's a psychologist too, and she used to say that I was like an octopus, <laughs> right? All, all fluffy in the muscles and, and all that. So I've struggled to learn those kata and I've struggled to push those weights. And now that I am able to teach them both things in the same uh, uh, place, in the same space, and have them develop the best of themselves in the first dan, in the second dan, well, I had to wait until the fourth or the fifth time to, to, to get there. That's, I would say, my, my, my greatest achievement. Being the sensei I wish I had and striving ahead on that path. Greatest regret? <sighs> yeah, well, not having, I guess, Firas Sahabi and John Danaher as coaches to be in the UFC or something. I, I still have that itch to do some MMA fight at some point, but I know about brain damage and I am old as, uh, enough to, to, to try at that, but uh, I will keep grinding. I will keep uh, working with what I have and what I've been dealt, right? And uh, yeah, I'll have to carry that and have it be my inspiration to keep teaching the newer generations. Mm -hmm. Okay, we're going to get back to your, your, your sensei you got to, but I want to do a one-minute answer from everybody. The name Bruce Lee comes up so much, and as we're talking about him, and you're talking about what he showed and what he understood, it's so awesome. But you said something awesome, not the movie star. So if we get rid of the movie star who was responsible for so many people walking into clubs, every single person here has trained for at least 10 more years than Bruce Lee did. So in a couple sentences, why do we still put him above us outside of how many people he brought into the dojo? Sensei Suino? And it doesn't just have to be him, someone like him. Whenever that question's been asked, it's been about who's been most influential. And we've never separated the martial artist from the celebrity because one of the reasons he was able to be so influential because he's a very creative thinker and he was a celebrity. He brought those two things together. I don't think we put him above us. He was a brilliant thinker, right place, right time. Um, very charismatic. Um, but I don't put him above the martial artist on this call. Um, was it Jackie Chan? Was it Jet Li who said, I don't want to be the next Bruce Lee? Mm. I just want to be the best Jet Li or whatever. I think each of us lives into that, right? We're just trying to live our lives and be great martial artists. So I don't yeah. know how to answer your question exactly, Sean. Um, no, I like that. I like that uh, a lot. Yeah, I don't put him above us. He's he was influential. Uh 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 but um We've got some great martial artists on this call, and there's a lot of people in this world. There's a lot of great martial artists. Well, a lot, of, shit, a lot of shitty ones, a lot, <laughs> but of, shitty a lot of great ones. ones too. Yeah, but yeah, Sadly. just to be clear for people listening, I don't just mean Bruce Lee. I mean mm. many of the martial artists that we admire mm. haven't trained as long as we've trained. Mm. And for example, Bruce Lee never did a full contact fight like you did, Sensei Munoz. So I always find that interesting. Um, Sensei Dofa, anything you want to comment on that? Uh, much the same as what Sensino said. I think you have to be a pioneer and the timing has to be right, right? Mm -hmm. Like he, 
he hit the world at a time. He had, he's a good martial artist. Like I, he had to have been that or none of the other things would have worked. So he had to have been a good martial artist. And when I flew to Tokyo, I just watched Enter the Dragon again. I just sat there and watched the entire thing on the plane. Um, and he was a good martial artist. He is a physical specimen, like he was in good shape, handsome person, um, pioneer. Like his thinking was pioneering in its time. And the time was right for that. He just mm -hmm. hit the event horizon of uh, being his skill and his thinking and the event horizon of what the world wanted. So again, I don't, I don't know. I don't want to be rude. I don't want all the sudden, all the, the Bruce Lee fanatics to you troll them, not me. <laughs> <laughs> so um, yeah, I, there's a lot of other people. I admire him for a lot of other reasons. He's a great martial artist, but I admire him for other reasons more than his martial arts. Thanks, Sensei. Hanshi, legacy, anything you want to add? Well, really, it's because uh, we'll take Bruce Lee, for instance, uh, or if you've seen another person first, they breach your mind's limits. It's like your first kiss, your first girlfriend, your first first time you drove. They, they're always a new and awesome experience. Mm. So I, I think that that's what happens. And then after a while, when you mature in a martial arts, you really can put those people uh, at the level or where they really are. You understand what I'm trying to say? They're, Bruce Lee, of course we were odd. We, our minds were never in that place. So. Thank you. And then um, Sensei Munoz, you haven't answered that question yet before we move on. Hmm. Yeah. I, I think it's interesting that I um, I separated that because I know that, for example, uh, Keanu Reeves has been doing great stuff uh, in, in portraying good martial arts in movies, right? But, um, but I don't know if he's had such an influence as Bruce Lee did. I think, yeah, it's a lot about timing, but uh, the depth in the Tao of Jet Kune Do is, is, is abysmal, right? And uh, being uh, able to first understand, because again, this might as well be my own limitation of understanding from letters into uh, uh, mechanical expressions, right? Or kinetic uh, patterns, right? But um, I would say that a lot of what I was able to develop once I started training for real, uh, uh, after Hanshi Montalvo came into my life, um, and I started looking at stuff more openly and not narrowly down how, how, how many of people uh, uh, around the world, not only in Mexico, right? Still, still look at martial arts and, 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 and the voodoo stuff that sends people sleeping and all that jazz, right? I, I think we, we should, uh, we have made good use of what Bruce Lee in the movies did, as Sensei Suino said, to, to encompass it into the martial arts world, right? And, and yes, many people started from there. Uh, still, I, I, I would keep the book above the movies, 
if I was given the choice. I love that. I love the way you've separated them. So I'm going to go back to a phrase you used early in this conversation and bring it around to your current instructor. You know, you're a classical man. You're talking about Goju and you're talking about this karate and you've got your, your, your sensei. You know, you're on that path that we're on, both with you and our own versions. You said open-minded karate, open-mind karate. You didn't even say open-minded. Um, what is that for you and how did Hanshi Montalvo offer you that? Well, he threw the street at me to begin with, right? Um, he pointed out very gently, very kindly, the limitations of what he saw me doing, right? What I was taught, right? And he asked me, why you do that? Why do you do this? And I honestly had no answers because I wasn't given answers because I wasn't allowed to ask too many questions, right? So, and, and this gladly, I found that many people in Okinawa, for example, uh, Hanshi Hokama uh, uh, encourages people to ask questions, right? And to maybe use the vase of the bunkai of the kata, but think and add something outside the box, right? Maybe, um, I, I still, for example, see uh, uh, stuff that uh, Sensei Vinicio Anthony from uh, um, uh, Brazil, I, I, I trained with him in, in 2016 in KN, at KNX 16, uh, and I've been following his, his material uh, from then uh, to now, and, and he just did this video where there's someone, some senior uh, uh, sensei uh, from, I guess, Japan, right? Showing a movement from um, a kata, let's say, right? And, and, and making no sense, right? Just making no sense. Yeah, you grab one person here and you grab the other person there and then you pull them and twist them. And of course, they don't have the other hand or their legs to attack you, right? So, so it's, it's bending reality instead of bending themselves to fit reality, right? So open mind karate or open mind martial arts practice means that first you accept that not everything that you will ever need is maybe within how you practice things, right? And then maybe you need to go to a seminar, maybe to another country right? Maybe to another style, to look at what you think you know with a different light and then discover some more, right? When I returned from Okinawa in January 2019, I had learned a lot from, from Kishimoto, the, uh, well, not a lot, right? <laughs> Just the first kata and the first few bunkai applications, right? And uh, then I went back to Sweden. But uh, upon returning from Okinawa, for I was first exposed at Kishimoto-di by Sensei Ulf in Asato Dojo, um, I started applying those small snippets of information that I extracted onto my own kata and my geki and my uh, 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 Shin and my cypher. And I started looking at things like, okay, so this movement could also be this. And this other movement could also be that. And I could transform this into this. And oh, grappling over here. Wow, right? So, so I started like really delving deep into, digging deep in, in, into everything I thought I knew with a new light and, and, and just blowing my mind, right? 
And then I started purchasing the books and then I started chasing more seminars. And then, so, so, so yeah, yeah. Let's say that from there, it's been just like for gamers, right? When you discover a new area in the map and you click on the statue and it opens up the whole panorama and you haven't been through all all those places, right? So, okay, you have this information now, try and go and look at that kata again with this piece of information, right? So, so it's, it's, it's a universe in constant expansion in which you only realize how little you actually know. Mm. I love that. Um, ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank our crew, Robert Shlumsky, Justin Shea, Andre Sedeshev, Alden Adair, Jesse Vlevitao, Sidney Dauphin, Josh Kitchens, Christian Landolt, Daniel J. Holland, Dridi Guliani, and Stavros Stavrulius. Why am I looking down? Because we have so many people helping us that it's hard for me to remember their names. Not that I don't remember their faces because of all they give us, but that's how many wonderful people are behind the scenes helping this show run. And uh, while we're not done, I just love the idea that the last sentence he said before our final round is, it's a universe in constant expansion, letting us know how little we know. What a beautiful sentence. It's not your last sentence. So if you've watched the show, Sensei Munoz, you'll know that we go around the horn and we talk a little bit about our time with you, but then the last word will go to you. Ladies and gentlemen, next week we have a short that we want you to watch that'll be released. And um, we're really excited while we take uh, a travel night to get to Ottawa for Capital Conquest. So that's what's coming up. Make sure you go to the punchkickchokechat.com website. It's such a banging website that even if you don't go for any information, just go to gaze, gaze at the layout, gaze at the photos. You will not be disappointed. Um, so now we'll go around the horn starting with Hanchi Legacy just to talk about our time with Sensei Munoz. Hey, so it was great to see you again. You always have a pleasant personality. Uh, hopefully you can come out and visit us sometime. Uh, it was a great time to be together. It was a good night for us. And uh, thanks for coming on the show. Uh, hopefully I'll see you soon. Hopefully, Sensei. Yes, thank you. Sensei Suino? You know, I'm, uh, I loved something you said almost in the first few sentences of our conversation tonight. Uh, you, you said, what, you got, what got you here won't get you further. Uh, uh, and that's kind of seemed to be a theme in your martial arts life, right? Is that you started something, changed to something else, changed to something else. You've had a number of different personalities in the martial arts. And um, I think it's an important lesson for anybody that spends a lifetime in the martial arts is that you can train a certain way, but until you mature and figure out what the next steps are, or until your sensei tells you what the next steps are, you don't, you know, you hit a ceiling. Uh, clearly, you haven't hit your ceiling yet. It's been wonderful talking to you. And uh, I don't know when it'll happen, but I can't wait to spend some time with you in person. Oh, it'll be my pleasure, I'm sure. And I'm uh, trying to plan something in the motorbike to go up there. And, and, and you're on the way to Canada. So, you know, yes, <laughs> I would really love to do that soon. That's really please. soon. Yes. Good. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Sensei. Thank you, Sensei Suino. Sensei Dolphin. You're muted. I am sorry. There you go. I've been coughing, so I just muted myself. But what I was saying is when you 
plan that motorbike trip. Let me know. I'll meet you somewhere in the United States and we'll ride back the rest of the way together. Um, I read a bunch of notes, uh, Rancho Munoz. So yeah, when you were six, your mom kicked your dad out or he left or whatever. Very similar. I can relate to that uh, very much. Uh, that happened to me as well. Um, started karate when you were 18. You consider that because you could pay your own way, right? You could pay your own way. Um, I like that. I like that you tried to learn boxing from watching Rocky movies. Who didn't? <laughs> Everybody on this call drank a dozen eggs raw because they watched boxy Rocky and thought that that was going to make them a better boxer. But, uh, um, you know, I finished university as well. I loved history, which is what I took. You did economics and you said karate was your escape and that's how you finished. I would have never stayed in London if it wasn't for karate. So there's common ground there too. That karate got me through my degree and opened the doors to so many th great things. Um, yeah, effective move, your left hand. Um, I believe that you're a southpaw. I fight southpaw when I want to go out with the hands, but I fight orthodox when I want to kick first. So take note of that. <laughs> I did. That's why I said it. Three years ago. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Well, I, well, maybe on January. Well, sorry, February. <laughs> that's why I said I thought you were a Southpaw. Um, Kimura, Americana, I'm working on those. Um, uh, your most influential, Hunter Montalvo. I would have been disappointed if you didn't say that. Um, influential of all time, Musashi and Bruce Lee. Those are great names to be mentioning as the most influential of all time. Nobody can disagree with them. Uh, next five years. It was really nice to hear you say Bunkai. Right, that for the next five years you want to dig into the meanings of your kata. Um, all martial artists should be doing that, especially in the karate realm. I think um, I like that you're teaching a person in a wheelchair via Zoom, and I want to share with you that here in this dojo we teach a person Iaido who is blind via wow. Zoom. A yeah, blind person Iaido Iaido via Zoom. So. Uh, that can be a short. We can talk about that in the future. Um, yes. I really liked it. I love the movie uh, Gladiator, but I never thought about what you said, which is starting for duty, then finding yourself, and then for justice. Uh, you said this. I'm going to write it on the board because I, I think it needs to be delved into mentally a lot. The torment of training. Just saying that, right? Like the torment of training, and we... We all willingly like throw ourselves into that torment of training. Um, Every day. Yes. Your achievement, teaching students the way I, you wish you had been taught. That's why Sensasuno built his dojo. He built a dojo that he wished he had trained in. Um, and I actually like that you said that um, keep the, the book, the Tao of Jack Kendo, but let the movies go. Right. Mm. That's. That's a really powerful statement for people to think about when it comes to Bruce Lee. Um, Cause he did write that book when he had a broken back basically. Right. Yes. So I loved having you on here. And uh, the only thing I was disappointed in is when you said, uh, you know, next five years, you didn't talk about coming to Canada. That oh, that's implicit, my friend. That's implicit. <laughs> Even if I had to pedal my way there because the freaking airplanes are so expensive. 
Okay. Well, it was great having you on here, brother. And I know I'll see you again here or there. Yes, indeed. Soon. Soon. Thank you, brother. The last word will go to you, Sensei. I actually wrote down the same thing that Sensei Sweeney said, what got you here won't get you further. What a what a brilliant phrase. I love that. You know, Sensei Dofan and I have talked a lot over the last 30 years about getting a 95% is one thing. Getting a 96 takes almost as much work as getting to 95 took. And uh, I really thought about that when you said that. But the other thing you talked about was Sisyphus, you know, pushing the rock and that the rock is the thing. I just think so many people, including myself, need to hear that and be reminded of it. The doing of it is the reward. You don't get something at the end that goes great. You never need to train again. You, you, you can stand on the edge of the sword like crouching tiger. I'd be like, right, but I still get to train, right? And if someone was like, no, 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 I'd be like, well, then I don't want to take that deal. And I just love your Sisyphus analogy because the suffering and the pushing, that's the gift. That's not the thing we do to get the gift. It is the gift. And you reminded me of that with that. So I want to throw the last word to you. Well, it has been an honor and a pleasure. And uh, I hope I can at some point be a little bit more like you guys and and, and keep having my 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 grinding every day to to filling the shoes that you're bestowing upon the world as much as Hanshi Montalvo is and as much as many great uh, martial arts teachers out there uh, to whom I owe a lot and from whom I try to share with with whoever steps into the dojo and I'm very glad that this could happen and I really really long to see you all soon in the same roof under the same roof love you all thank you Right back at you, Sensei. And Sensei, thank you for letting me host this with you and everybody. Be safe. Thanks, everybody. Bye, everybody. Thank you.